The title for this morning's message is, What to Do with a Second Chance. And I had to chuckle a little bit this week as uh, I got to where I I wrote the email that I sent out this week to everybody, um, just getting you set for this morning and thinking about the series and wrapping up the series today. And so I went back and looked at, first of all, when did we start this? September 13th, 2015, we opened up 1 Peter. We're going to close it today for the time being. And I looked back and I went, oh, I wonder what that first message was titled. And I had already set the title for this message. The first message in this series was called Second Chance Legacy. And that's where we're at with Peter this morning. We want to talk about that. We want to talk about the reality that he was given a second chance. And so were we. And so before we get into the word this morning, before we get into our message, uh, Matt and the band are going are to sing a song for you. That's called, I Can't Take the Pain, and it has to do with Peter's life. And I want our heads to be there. I want us to go back and try to get into Peter's life and what he experienced and all that led up to Christ's crucifixion and the pain that Peter felt at that point when he had abandoned Christ. And then we're going to talk about the second chance that Peter was given So enjoy this song and allow your mind to go there and get into that place where Peter was before Jesus was crucified and where his head and heart must have been because it deeply affected who he was later on. This is called I Can't Take the Pain. Of 
Bible with you this morning, you're going to need one to follow along in as we jump back in for the last time into 1 Peter. So if you do not have a Bible and you need one, you want one to follow along and just go ahead and put your hand up and our ushers will get you a Bible that you can use as we work through 1 Peter here for the last time. And if you are receiving one of those Bibles and you do not currently have a Bible of your own, please keep the one that you receive. And when you have your Bibles in front of you, open them up to the book of 1 Peter. We're going to jump all over the place in First Peter today, look at a number of different things as we wrap this series up. Uh, I want to review just a little bit of what Peter talked about, our Peter talked about last week, um, as he dove into some, uh, some things around spiritual warfare, around a battle that goes on in the spiritual realm. And so I want to start there and pick up where he left off. So look at First Peter chapter 5, verse 8. First Peter 5, verse 8. This is where we went last week. Peter Herzog looked at this first, 1 Peter 5, 8, where Peter writes, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Brothers and sisters, the battle in the spiritual realm is real. There's no denying that. And you and I are targets in that battle. However, 
We have to see this. There's a however. Peter's warning to be sober-minded and watchful leaves us a little rattled, but the very next verse should help us settle that rattling. Look at verse 9. Peter says, resist him. Resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Satan was taking a lot of shots at the church that Peter was writing to. We've talked about the persecution that they were facing all through this study. Satan does not like followers of Jesus. And so he takes shots at them. He's taken shots at God's people throughout time and around the world. This is no new thing that's happening here. None of us are free of his attacks. However, we weren't created to fear the roaring lion. We were not created to fear him. So Peter confidently instructs the church to resist him. How? Not in our own strength, not in our own vast wisdom, not in our impressive courage, not in the strength and determination of our religious commitment to doing right things. Peter says, resist him firm in your what? Faith. Firm in your faith. Firm in your trust in our unseen God. He fights for us. Battles in the spiritual realm are fought and won by God through the blood of Jesus Christ who already conquered Satan. So stand firm in your faith. God will fight for you and he will not lose. Peter also gave us some great perspective on this earlier in his letter. Do you remember how Peter kept using the phrase be subject to We've looked at the be subject to commands a few times. Be subject, we're told, to every human institution. Servants, be subject to your masters. Wives, be subject to your husbands. Youngers, be subject to the elders. Well, there's one more statement that we need to be aware of. Turn to 1 Peter 3, verse 21. 1 Peter 3, verse 21. Where Peter writes this. He says, baptism, and we're going to do one of these next Sunday... Which corresponds to this, and he's referring to Noah's story of the flood. Now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And now he's going to describe Jesus Christ. Look at this. Who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. That's where it is. Jesus Christ is king. And Satan, the roaring lion, has been subjected to Jesus Christ. He is subject to Jesus. Satan's days are numbered. Satan's power is limited. Satan's impact is temporal. We will only feel it for a short while, church. And here's one more beautiful promise found at the end of Peter's letter. Drink this in. 1 Peter 5, verse 10 and 11. Believe this. Look forward to this. Yearn for this. 1 Peter 5, 10 and 11. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, comfort, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Church, we will only suffer for a little while. 
And even if a little while is your whole life here on earth, the suffering will end soon. It's not going to last forever. For now it has a purpose. Believe that. It has a purpose. But once this life has passed, it'll be gone forever. And that will happen through the restoration, the confirmation, the strengthening, and the establishing that our loving, perfect, eternal Father will complete in us. God will restore you to perfection. God will confirm his image in you. God will replace your earthly strength with a limitless strength that will last forever. God will establish you in his kingdom to live with him for all of eternity. So do not fear the roaring lion. He can only get to you for a short while. He is subject to Jesus Christ. His power is limited. His time is running out. His permanent loss is guaranteed. To God be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Starting next week, we're going to celebrate what what that means for our lives right now. We're going to spend the next few months looking at what it means to live free in Christ. Freedom is going to be the theme of our series. We need to explore together what it means to live free. In Galatians 5.1, Paul writes, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. We need to know, church, what it means to live in freedom in this world. And that's what we're going to study together. And we need to do more than just know what it means. We need to live free. Pray that God leads us to freedom during the next few months as we look at the things that we need to be free of. All right, let's close out First Peter. I'm not going to get into who Silvanus was or which Mark Peter is referring to or who the woman at Babylon is. Those are Peter's final greetings that he passes along at the end of his letter in chapter 5, verses 12 and 13. We are also not going to practice greeting each other with the kiss of love. That's verse 14. I'll let you interpret that one on your own. What I want to do this morning with the rest of our time here is to look at three things that we can take away from our study of this insightful, encouraging, convicting, affirming letter. What do we take away from this? Peter's life is, to me, the greatest example I have of the depth of God's grace when it comes to second chances. Peter blew it. I've blown it, you've blown it, but God's grace is still available no matter how bad we've blown it. And through Peter's life, I can see what my life could look like on the other side of my second chance or on the other side of my 2,970 second chance. So I want us to consider, based on what we've seen and heard in First Peter, what we could do, what God could do with our second chances based on what we see here in Peter's life. What do we do with a second chance? There are three things that I'd like us to consider as we close this book. There are many, many more things that we can take away from First Peter, and we have as we've gone along. These are just three things for us to consider if we're going to allow the book of First Peter to have a permanent impact on our lives. And I hope that you will not leave this study having merely gained some more biblical knowledge to be stored away in your big Bible file in your head. It's not why God's people study his word. 
We study his word to be changed by it. We study his word to become more like Jesus. We study his word to draw God near to us and us to him where we can be more deeply influenced by him. So how have you been changed through the study of First Peter? What's happened? How has this impacted you? What have you taken away from this? Do you need to spend this next week praying about and writing down the ways in which Peter's letter has changed you? Do you maybe need to just discover one way in which you've been changed as we've spent the last year and a half studying this book? Think about it. You and I, like Peter, have been given second chances. What do we do with a second chance? What do we do with it? Here are three things that we could do related to ourselves as we give thanks for our second chances. First of all, you can forgive yourself. You can forgive yourself. Think back on Peter's significant blunders. He had a few, especially denying that he even knew Jesus three times. Major mistake. How much regret do you think Peter dealt with? Can you imagine carrying that around? When Peter realized what he had done by denying Jesus three times, do you remember what he did? As he witnessed all this in the courtyard before Jesus was crucified, what did he do? The rooster crowed. And what did, G- what did Peter do? He ran out of the courtyard and wept bitterly. Immediately he felt the weight of remorse after having denied Jesus like that. Now if I was Peter, I'm pretty sure I know what I would have done next. I would have found some cave hundreds of miles away from Jerusalem and I would have gone and lived in that cave for the rest of my life. Not sure if I would have been able to forgive myself after that. But listen to some of the reminders that Peter gives us in his letter of what's been done for us. Here are some reasons that Peter gives us to forgive ourselves. Here's some perspective that he gives us. Look at 1 Peter 1 verse 3. Go back to chapter 1 verse 3. Peter writes... Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy. Instead of giving us what we deserved for the ways that we denied him. For our disobedience. According to his great mercy. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That's what's come our way. Go to verses 18 and 19 in that first chapter. Peter says, Knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. We were ransomed, church. Ransomed. Therefore, that's been paid off. What's in our past has been paid off. We've been ransomed. Chapter 2, verse 10. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. All of this a picture of what it means to be forgiven. Chapter 2, verse 24 and 25. 
He writes, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed for you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. God states through Peter that we are now new people. We do not, should not carry the weight of our past failures around with us. God declares that we are born again, ransomed, now his people, alive to righteousness, and no longer straying. And that's just in the first two chapters of this letter. No matter how badly your first chance went, let it go. If you have confessed your mistakes and sought God's forgiveness, let go of it. Let go of that first chance. If you have not acknowledged that mistake and confessed it or them to God and sought his forgiveness, you will carry that around with you for the rest of your life. But if you have turned it over to God, if you have sought his forgiveness, release that. God gives us second chances with the intent to give us the grace that we need to live free of our past mistakes. Accept his gift. I believe, based on what we see in 1 Peter, that Peter did accept God's gift. I see in his letter a man living free of his first chance. Peter didn't allow his humanity to get in the way of God's eternal identity and purpose for him. Peter, when he wrote this letter, was clearly living as a man born again, ransomed, belonging to God, alive to righteousness, and no longer straying. That said, I do not believe for a moment that Peter was perfect at that point. I believe that he struggled, but I don't see him struggling with remorse. I see him confidently moving forward into what God had for him next. Church, forgive yourself. Forgive yourself. If God has forgiven you, which he promises to do, if we confess and seek forgiveness, then you can forgive yourself. We can forgive ourselves. Learn from your mistakes. Accept God's forgiveness. Cast your cares on God and move forward. And if you're struggling this morning with the weight of your past, look to Peter as your inspiration. Follow his lead. God forgave Peter. What you've done may even be worse than what Peter did. It may not be as bad as what Peter did, but God wants you to release all of it to him and let him remove it from you so that you can live free. More to come on this subject in our freedom series. The second thing that I want us to consider in response to God giving us a second chance is this. Know yourself. Know yourself. At the very beginning of Peter's letter, he made, it, he made it clear that the people he was writing to had an identity. He stated their identity in chapter 1, verse 1. He said, to those who are elect exiles. To those who are elect exiles, there is our identity. To those who have been chosen, to those who have been picked out by God to receive salvation. To those who have been adopted into God's family. Most of you know that I'm an adoptive dad, and I love that. All our boys, all three of them are adopted. And I thought back as I was writing this on, on their stories, on how it happened. I looked back to those adoptions. I looked back to the reality with our first one, that we were in Seattle, Washington, when we got a call that a kid had been born and that his birth mom had picked us. 
And we then took on this mission of getting from Seattle, Washington to Oklahoma City as fast as we possibly could. We pursued Liam. We went after him. We drove like maniacs for two and a half days to get to Oklahoma to get this child that we had adopted. A couple months later, Jude came along. We were in Michigan at the time. We got this call about a baby born in Oklahoma whose birth mom had chosen us. And we drove from Michigan to Oklahoma to go and get this child. This child that we were adopting, that God selected for us to adopt. Three years later, we were in Michigan again. And we got a call about a baby that had been born in Oklahoma. And we drove to Oklahoma. And we picked up this child that we were adopting. And this gives us, church, a very real picture of what it means to be God's elect. God adopted us. He adopted you to be his child. Now think about the reality. Think about the cultural Christian reality of how we view our salvation a lot. We chose Christ. We chose to accept Christ as if he needed our acceptance. We chose. It was our deal. It was our... No, God chose us. And God pursued us. God drove like a maniac to wherever you were to find you and adopt you into his family. That's what it means to be elected, chosen by God. He chose us. He pursued us. He went after us with everything he had to make us a part of his family, to make us his son, his daughter. That's our identity. It's not about us choosing him. Us finally deciding that, yeah, I guess he's okay. We belong to him. That's our identity. We're not humans that have chosen God. We're humans that have been chosen by God and adopted into his family. And so Peter reminds his readers of their identity. He says they are elect exiles. They've been chosen for something, for someone greater than anything that this world could offer. And having been chosen, they no longer belong here. This is not their home. They are elect exiles. And of course, there's the verse that messes me up every time I read it. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. This is probably the one you've heard more than any other verse during our study. 1 Peter 2.9 But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. This is who we are, church. Know who you are. This is our identity, having been given a second chance. We are not who we used to be. God chose us, adopted us, and made us new. New people. 
We're not identified by our past mistakes. We're not, ide- not defined by our weaknesses. We are not even defined by our human strengths or accomplishments. We are defined by the identity that God created for us way back before we even existed. Living in the reality of our second chance means that we no longer live out the identity that we have created for ourselves It means that we embrace the identity that has been given to us by the one who gave us our second chance. Peter was living as the man that God had restored him to be. Peter lived in the reality that he was part of a chosen race. He was a member of a royal priesthood. He was a citizen of a holy nation. He was a person for God's own possession. That was his second chance identity. That's our second chance identity as well. Praise God that he releases us from the mistakes of our past. Praise God that he adopted us and gave us a new second chance identity. Do you realize who you are? I pray that you've discovered or confirmed your identity in our study of 1 Peter. There's one more major theme that I want us to walk away with this morning as we wrap up in 1 Peter. And here's how I want to illustrate these three things. Uh, We talked about forgive yourself, know yourself, and now this next one. When you think about forgiving yourself, we're talking about your past. We're talking about what lies behind us. Forgive yourself. When we talk about knowing yourself, we're talking about right now, in this moment, in this day and age, who are you, who am I, know yourself. And as we look forward into the future, as we look at our steps ahead, Peter encourages us to humble ourselves. Humble yourself, church. Forgive yourself, know yourself, and humble yourself. At least three times in our letter, Peter's exhorted the church to be humble This was not one of Peter's human strengths. Peter was the one who had the nerve to rebuke Jesus. Peter was the one who declared in front of the disciples that even if they all fell away from Jesus, he never would. Peter struggled with humility. But along the way, on his second chance road, Peter discovered humility. 1 Peter 3.8 In 1 Peter 3.8, he writes, Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. 1 Peter 5.5 Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And then the very next verse, verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time he may exalt you. Now I need us to acknowledge something about second chance Peter. Um, If we look back through the book of 1 Peter, we're going to find a long list of biblical standards that we're being instructed to live up to. It's an exhausting list. I went back and pulled some of them out. Listen to what I hear. Obey Jesus. Rejoice in suffering. Prepare your minds for action. Be sober-minded. Hope only in God's grace. Do not be conformed to your human passions. Be holy in all your conduct. Conduct yourselves with the fear of God. Purify your souls through obedience. Love one another earnestly. 
Put away all malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander. Long for pure spiritual milk. Proclaim God's excellencies. Abstain from the passions of the flesh. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. Be subject to every human institution. Do good. Live as people who are free. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Be subject to your employer. Do good even to the unjust. Wives, be subject to your husbands. Be respectful and pure in your conduct. Let your adorning be found in the hidden person. Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. Honor your wives. Have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling. Bless others. Turn away from evil. Seek peace and pursue it. Honor Christ the Lord as holy. Make a defense for your faith. Think like Jesus. Be sober, be self-controlled and sober-minded. Show hospitality without grumbling. And I'm going to quit there. That's not even all the way through chapter 4. Peter once again sets the Christian living bar very, very high. Now, before all the wind is taken out of your sails, let me add some critical perspective here. We were feeling pretty good thinking about God restoring us and forgiving us. We were feeling pretty good about our second chance identity. And then here I had to go and pour the guilt on you about the level of holiness that you're expected to pull off. And does anyone in here maybe feel like screaming, I can't do this. This is too much. I understand that the Bible says that we have to do these things. I understand that Peter is telling the church how they should live. But this is so hard and Peter could do it because he's Peter. Do you really think he mastered all this? Do you think that the same Peter who regularly completely missed the point that Jesus was making could suddenly pull all this off? I don't. I think that Peter just might have been someone who felt like screaming, I can't do this as well. I want you to think about this. Peter spent three years with Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Messiah, God in the flesh. He walked with him. He was close to him. He shared everything with him. They spent hours and hours and hours of every day together. Peter was with Jesus. Jesus was there telling him, this is what you should do. This is how you should live. This is how you should think. This is what it means to be me, to imitate me, to be transformed into my likeness. Here's what it is. And Peter was right there with Jesus, right there, face to face, in person that whole time. And he screwed up over and over and over and over again. And now here's Peter in the book of 1 Peter as we're reading, as it's been revealed to us. Here's this Peter that seems amazing. He's got it all together. He's got all the answers. He's teaching the church how to do what he struggled so hard to do. But it really seems like he's doing it. What happened in here? Was it just that, that, that second chance that Peter was given 
Was that the key? Was it that he came around to that second chance and went, okay, I've been given a second chance. I got to do a lot better this time. I got to not make those mistakes that I made when Jesus was right here. Honestly, which one's easier? To do it right when Jesus is right here or to do it right after he's gone? And it wasn't, I don't believe that it was just Peter going, all right, I really blew it at the end there of that first chance. I've been given a second chance. I feel horrible about what I did in the first chance. So out of my enormous sense of guilt and shame, I'm going to try harder. I'm going to do better. I'm going to be more determined to do this the right way. Is that why? Is that why we see this Peter in the book of First Peter and not the Peter we see in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? I don't think that's it. I don't think that he just, just got really serious this time and did it so much better. So what was it? Why this Peter now and not that Peter? I want us to get this. I want this to be crystal clear for us. When Jesus was here, Peter had Jesus in the flesh. But Peter was still operating under his own strength. By his own flesh. When Jesus left, Jesus told Peter and the others, he says, I'm going away, but stay here. Why? Because I'm sending someone to you. I'm sending someone to you. And Peter and the rest of the disciples waited. And that someone came. And that someone was God in the form of God's Holy Spirit. And God came down into Peter. And even better than having Jesus right there with you every day, Peter now had God's Spirit living in him. And it was the only thing that made it possible for Peter to be able to write the way he did if it was God's Spirit empowering him, God's Spirit driving him, God's Spirit guiding him and giving him strength every step of the way. Church, we're not going to pull off this list on our own. There's no way. There's no way that even Peter, who spent three years with Jesus in person, could have done this without God's spirit in him. That's it. That's the only way it happens. And that, brothers and sisters, is God's grace. We didn't get what we deserve. That's God's mercy. But then we did get something incredible that even Peter didn't have when he walked with Jesus. We get God's Holy Spirit in us. God says, yeah, the bar's high, but you're not expected to do it on your own strength. You're not just going to try harder and get it in your second chance. Your second chance means... My children, that I will come inside of you and make this possible. That you will be able to live the way Peter describes. But only if you realize that it's by God's spirit that this happens. If we refuse to humble ourselves and go, no, no, I got the guidebook, I got this. I'll do this. I got the list. Peter gave me the list. I will pull this off. 
And I will impress God doing this. And I will impress others doing this. No, Peter says, humble yourself. And realize that you can't do this on your own. There's no way. Humble yourself like Peter. And allow and invite God's spirit to work in you and through you. That's the only way that we're going to live the way that Peter describes. It's the only way we are going to stay on the road, on Jesus' road that we've been looking at for the last year and a half. It's the only way. It's through God's power in us. And so Peter encourages the followers of Jesus that he's writing to to humble themselves. Church, he says, get rid, get yourselves in line with God's power. Don't depend on your own power. Realize who you are before God and take your place under his leadership, his authority, his power. By his spirit, you and I can do great things. So church, humble yourselves. Submit yourself to God's plan. Surrender yourself to God's power. Commit every step forward to God. We cannot do this on our own strength, wisdom, and discipline. The only way we can live the lives that Peter has described and exhorted his church to live is to surrender ourselves to God's spirit to guide us and provide everything that we need for the road that we're on. Humble yourselves. What do we do with our second chance? Forgive yourself, know yourself, and humble yourself. And then God, by his infinite grace, will lead you forward into what he has for you. And our second chance will look a whole lot different than our first one. Peter's second chance looked very different from his first chance. The Peter that we see in the letter that we've been studying is not the same Peter that we see in the Gospels. We see a follower who has become a leader. We see a disciple who has become an apostle. We see a receiver who has become a giver. We see a person living on his own strength who is now living by God's strength with God's spirit in him. Do you see those things in yourself? You and I have been given a second chance by God. What are we doing with that second chance? Can we forgive ourselves and leave the past behind? Do we know ourselves the way God now identifies us? Will we humble ourselves daily and invite God to lead us forward by the power of his spirit in us? Chapel Hill Church, do you see yourself as the next Peter? Do you see yourself as the next Peter? Or are we just observing Peter from the stands? Are we merely spectators of what Peter did with his second chance? Or will we, God's elect exiles, choose to walk the road that's been described for us by Peter? Church, what are we going to do with our second chance? Let's forgive ourselves, know ourselves, and humble ourselves. Decide for yourself right now 
that this is what you're going to take away from your journey through the book of First Peter. Peter's final words in the letter were these. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. Peace to you, Chapel Hill Church, in the forgiveness that you find in Jesus Christ. Peace to you in the identity that your Father has created for you. Peace to you in the power that you will experience as you humble yourself under God's mighty hand and move forward into what he has for you and into what he has for us as a church. May the word of God live in every one of us. Amen. I'm going to invite the ushers to come now. Let me give you just a little bit of instruction before we wrap things up here. Following the church service here, we will, of course, be having our potluck. Um, I would just ask that um, if you're able, grab some chairs, stack them up. The tables are going to be rolled in through these doors here. Once the tables are in, the chairs go back around the tables. The rest of the chairs go on the outside. Um, And then we'll just get ourselves ready for a time of fellowship together. Um, I'm, I'm glad we get to do this. This is a great time for us to celebrate together what God's been doing in us and through us for the last year and a half as, we, as we've studied this incredible book together. What did God do with Peter? God built his kingdom here. God built his kingdom through people like Peter throughout history. And I would invite you to allow God to build his kingdom through you. You be the next Peter. Let's move his kingdom forward as we walk Jesus' road. Forgive ourselves, know ourselves, and humble ourselves. And allow God to do what he wants to do through us as he builds his kingdom here. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the book of 1 Peter. Thank you for your word, for the Bible. Thank you for the easy access that we have to your word and to all kinds of things that go along with it to help us understand it, to help us see where it came from, when it was written, the cultural context in which it was written, all of these different things we can discover. Thank you that we are blessed, privileged, that we have the luxury of digging into something like the book of First Peter and being able to see so much, so much of the picture. God, you've given us this tremendous freedom to do this. You've given us this incredible access. You've given us your spirit to open up your word to us. All part of our second chance. God, show us what to do with this second chance. Father, I pray that for every single one of us, that we would begin our day by inviting your spirit to fill us to overflowing, knowing full well that that's the only way We are going to become more and more like Jesus. It's the only way that we're going to be able to truly walk Jesus' road. It's the only way 
that you're going to be able to fully use us for your purposes. Father, thank you for drawing close to us, even closer than having Jesus right here on earth. Thank you for coming to dwell in us. Praise you for desiring us so much, for pursuing us so powerfully, for desiring to be in us and give us the power and the wisdom and the perspective, the strength, the love, the compassion, the patience, all that we need to live the life that you've called us to live. To you, Father, to you be the dominion and the glory forever and ever. And it's in Jesus' name that we declare this. Amen.